Many of you have known for years Jean Higgins. She's going to be preaching this morning. Jean is entering the process of both discerning and pursuing a call to ordination, and she's going to be doing that here at Church of the Redeemer. And so this morning, we get the honor of listening to her as she preaches on God's word. Pray with me. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. Amen. I want to paint you a word picture today. It was a hot day, just like yesterday, and the day before that, and the day before that. It hasn't rained in a while, not like here. And the lowland grasses were mostly already eaten by the sheep. It was dusty, and the white sheep looked black. But Moses knew of a stream up on Mount Horeb. Come on, little ones, the water's this way. And he used his staff to guide some of the errant ones back to the flock. He didn't want anything to happen to them. He led them to the wilderness, to the promised water. He thought about his wife and sons. He smiled. He looked forward to getting home again. He laughed when he thought about what his life would have looked like had he stayed in Egypt as the adopted son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Would have been very different but he wouldn't trade his life for for that imagined life for anything. Yes, he had dirty shoes, and it was dusty, and he was leading dirty sheep on a hot day. And he did regret killing that Egyptian, but he probably would have killed that Hebrew if he hadn't intervened. But if that hadn't happened, he wouldn't have gone to Midian, and he wouldn't have met Jethro, who was such a good friend and a mentor, and he wouldn't have met Zipporah and his boys. Moses guided the sheep into this area where there was water. He had forgotten how protected this place was. They could stay here a while. The stream and grass, only one way in. He looked around to see if there was any danger. Wait, what's that? Is that a fire over there? How did that start? It's just one bush with nothing but rocks near it. That's going to burn out quickly, he thought. That's how I imagine the the stage for our reading today in Exodus, the call of Moses. The Bible is filled with call stories. And like Moses, the calls are often unexpected and unannounced. The call will interrupt their lives because an encounter with the living God changes everything. So our focus today is the holy and extraordinary God comes to us in our ordinary lives to call us. No matter what his call is, he promises that we will not go alone. He will be with us always. The holy, awesome God of the universe who called Moses, who called a boy to be a prophet and another boy to be a king, who called a young woman to carry the Savior of the the world in her womb, who called men and women to follow Jesus on the earth, he still calls today. He calls each of us. He calls us first to be to know him as Savior. Our gospel reading today 
reminds us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in, believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God, for God did not send his world into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world for him, through him. The call from a holy God to each of us is first to himself, and then for each of us, it'll be various calls, both big and small, throughout our lives. And these journeys will not be made alone. The, the Lord will sorry, the Lord will be with us, and He will send fellow workers with us. And the work of the kingdom will not be done alone. It may be done by individual peoples, but it will not be done by individuals. We are all bound together and must work together as one body to function. But of course, the goal isn't just to function, right? It's to grow and to thrive and bring in a great harvest. Amen? And it starts with a call to each of us. Moses and Joshua were called. Mary and Martha were called. Peter and Paul were called. Bill was called. Most of you were called. 23 years ago, God called me to follow him. I was 28 years old. I was already married. I had a toddler. And for those of you who are doing the math in your head, that does make me 51. Um, if you were making a list of people doing a list of people who were most likely to be called by God, I wouldn't have made that list. But God doesn't see people the way we see people. But God, but God, that's my favorite phrase in all of Scripture. And we lose a little of that in English because we don't start sentences with conjunctions in English. So often in the English translation, that's dropped. But, but, but God is all over it in, in Scripture. If I were going to write a book about my life, I would title it, But God. Because I can see that throughout my life. But God had another plan for Moses. But God had another plan for Mary. But God had another plan for Paul. But God had another plan for me. But God has another plan for you. There wasn't a burning bush, and I didn't get a visit from an angel. But like Moses, like Mary, like Paul, and countless others, I had my life interrupted when God called me to follow him. And that's true for all of us. Because God doesn't see people the way we see people. God didn't see Moses as an entitled rich kid who committed a brutal crime and then ran away to avoid the consequences. He saw something different. He saw a Hebrew Levite boy who grew up in a, in a speaking Egyptian without an accent, who knew the Egyptian culture and the Egyptian customs, who certainly knew the, the Pharaoh personally because he grew up as the adopted son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He then, he did commit, a, he did kill a, an Egyptian, but it was probably out of, he probably did it to save the life of a Hebrew. It was compassionate. He ran away to Midian, where he spent 40 years learning what it meant to lead as a shepherd. He learned humility. He learned how to be a father and a husband. He was perfectly positioned for the, God, for the call God had for him. And whether we are called to be to serve in the church or within our families or communities, wherever we're called to serve, God will use our past and present in our future. Even our failures and our disappointments are training grounds for the Lord's future. 
Don't get discouraged in today. It's only in looking backwards that we can see how far we've come and what the Lord has done in the journey. If Moses had gotten discouraged in his 79th year, deciding that revolutions don't happen in the lives of old people, he would have missed what God had for him in his 80th year. Nicodemus says in a reading today, how can a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus didn't know yet that God can do anything, that that's entirely possible when the Lord is involved. It's always possible. So Moses, he's at work in his regular routine where, when God gets his attention. So let's look at the passage. Open your Bible to Exodus 3, starting at verse 2. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's in the Pew Bible on page 46, I think. So we're on Mount Horeb, which is also known as Mount Sinai and other places. Verse 2, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned up. Look, Moses takes the initiative... I'm sorry, God takes the initiative to make himself known. Before God told Moses who he was, he showed him. He's the, he's the God over creation. Moses is curious. The burning bush, which, which in and of itself isn't unusual, but one that doesn't burn up, that just stays burning, that doesn't dim, that's unusual. It's something to investigate. It's a place where heaven and earth meet. The Irish sometimes call those thin places where the veil between this world and the eternal meet. Fire and bush are part of the natural world, but a bush ablaze that does not burn up is not natural. It's an apocalyptic image. So when the Lord saw that he doesn't turn aside, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am, the sovereign summons like Abraham or Samuel. Here I am could be a readiness to submit or obey, but it could just be, yep, what do you want? Um, a few verses later, when the Lord outlines what he wants Moses to do, Moses is more reluctant, but initially he seems ready to obey or listen. Of course, I would listen if a voice called Gene Gene out of a burning bush. I mean, most of us would probably do that. Kind of a no-brainer there. Um, Then the Lord says, do not come near, not one step further, Moses, take your sandals off, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God is holy, so the land he's, so where he will be is holy ground. It isn't the bush that's holy, but the ground. And the word holy um, means set apart, distinct, separate, unique. And the concept of holiness here, it's a passage to giving the divine name, which is done a few verses later. It marks the place as holy. Moses will return to this mountain later. Well, the mountain of the, this mountain is called the mountain of the Lord in verse 1. To Moses at this point, it's just a mountain. But this place will become the mountain of the Lord. This is where the, the law is given later. Moses returns here. It doesn't say why he wants him to remove his shoes. Maybe it's a sign of respect or humility. But it's interesting to note that later, 
the, the priests in the temple also serve barefoot. God tells Moses that he's the God of Moses' father and the God of the patriarchs. He's a personal God for Moses. And Moses' reaction is immediate and appropriate. He hides his face. He's overwhelmed in the presence of the Lord. And a few verses later, God tells Moses that he's the God of his father and the patriarchs, but he, he tells Moses his name. And speaking the divine name is significant for setting Israel apart and for shaping the world where Israel's destiny and ultimately all of human destiny may be fulfilled through Christ. The divine name is often translated, I am who I am. That's the literal translation. But the rabbinic understanding of that name is the idea within it, I shall be with you always. And the meaning of names is important. Yes, he's the great I am, but the inherent in that is the great I am is always with us. He would go with Moses and the, Holy, and the Hebrew people. He would be with them always. Jesus echoes this in the last words to the disciple in what we call the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that is very good news. I work at a seminary with a small staff, and so I wear a lot of hats. But my favorite one is as everybody's advisor. And when I try to encourage a student who's questioning their call to ministry, I always go back to the Great Commission. It isn't about us. Of course we can't do ministry in our own strength. We aren't smart enough. We won't preach well enough. We won't understand theology enough. As soon as we start to think we can, we should leave ministry. The Lord will be with us always. It's our job to labor in the fields faithfully. It's his job to bring in the harvest. And that's not just true of people going into ministry. It's true for every Christian. Serve faithfully where you are. God comes to us in our ordinary lives. Sure, you might have a mountaintop experience at a spiritual retreat, but you spend a whole lot more of your life in ordinariness. And that's got probably where God will show up. Moses was at work. God will probably come where you least expect him. And remember, but God. It implies that no matter what's happening, God has a plan. And it's probably an unexpected plan. God didn't forget Moses. He called him late in life, out of the ordinary, unexpectedly to do something spectacular. But it might not be spectacular. It might just be something, nor something normal, something he calls you to do in your context. Back in 2010, I was working on a women's retreat, and I was tasked with finding people, women to do testimonies with another, with Claudia Haig. And we chose Marjorie Ramsey to do one of the testimonies. Now, I don't know if you know Marjorie Ram Ramsey. She went to be with, the, with Jesus last fall. She was about 100 when she passed. So in 2010, she was something like 92. And she was a wonderful, godly woman, had a wonderful testimony but she was a little bit reluctant to give it. Um, so I went to her home to try to talk her into doing it, and she's, she's telling me these, sto these wonderful stories. I wish I could, I could imitate her wonderful little sweet southern voice, but I wouldn't do it justice. She has this wonderful testimony about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, but she told me about her ministry to the elderly. She's 92. 
I'm thinking, Marjorie, you are the elderly. So I ask her, who, so who are these elderly people you're ministering to? She's, she's visiting elderly people who couldn't drive anymore, because she can still drive, who are stuck in homes or nursing facilities. She just sat with them for a spell and told them about Jesus. I want to be Marjorie Ramsey when I'm 92. I bet she visited people who were way younger than her. But she saw herself as called to be a servant of Jesus, to serve, to visit the elderly. God calls people at every age and at every stage of life to serve. Most of us won't be called to lead a people like Moses was. Most of us will be called, will be called to everyday service. Our names won't be remembered through history. Most of us will minister in relative obscurity like Marjorie, known only to the people's lives that we touch. But Marjorie built up treasures in heaven as she faithfully served through her life. Bill talked last week about new beginnings. At least at the second service, at least a dozen people came up to, to reaffirm their baptism because they sensed a new beginning in their life, perhaps a new or renewed call. It was a sacred time. I'm at a new a point in my life of a new beginning. My youngest son, my youngest son, graduated from Douglas Anderson this past Thursday. We'll head to USF at St. Pete next year, leaving Elvis and I with an empty nest. Um, I was blessed with a promotion at work two weeks ago. Um, last summer, I began to sense a call to the church again, perhaps to ordain ministry. I don't know what that call will look like, um, if that's indeed what call, God is calling me to do. I love the job I have at the seminary, helping to equip laborers to be sent out in the harvest, and I don't anticipate leaving it in the foreseeable future. I haven't had a divine voice from a burning bush, and an angel has not visited me with a plan, although I wish that would happen. But I'm not alone. I have people on the journey with me but I would certainly covet your prayers through this process. But like Moses, the direction of our lives may be eternally altered by an encounter with the Lord, initially at conversion, but also at various intervals as we go through our lives. And like Moses, we may be reluctant or not have, have not completely trusted that the Lord will be with us always, or the call may not be completely clear. I've also had those times in my life, and. My guess is you have too. I had a long season, known, sometimes known as the dark night of the soul, after I graduated seminary, where I wondered if the Lord was with me at all, let alone with me always. But those years of introspection and seeking the Lord strengthened my faith in ways that wouldn't have happened in any other way. And my guess is that those 40 years in Midian did the same thing for Moses. I needed to wrestle with what did I really believe? What did I know about the Lord to be true when I didn't have all the touchstones which would, with I had always relied. I had to decide if my faith was deep in my marrow and ached in my bones no matter what. Because remember that God will use our past and our present and our future and even our failures and disappointments are training grounds for the Lord's future work. Doubt and wrestling are normal parts of the faith journey. But the Lord teaches us that it's his presence that really matters. We are called to be in Christ, and our call should be seen against that backdrop of the perfect fulfillment of God's call on Jesus to become human and reconcile the world 
to him because we are co-heirs with Christ. And we have the Holy Spirit in a way that Moses and the Old Testament figures didn't have. We are called not just to be saved, but to serve in the kingdom of heaven. We are chosen by the Lord, and while we might be able to resist that, God does get to call us to what he wants and to send us where he wants. He will gift us with what we need, and he promises that we will not go alone. Honest struggling is often the process that the Lord uses to strengthen us for the task ahead and to grow us for greater challenges. The call on our life will probably come when we least expect it. It might be an ordinary Tuesday where we haven't washed our hair and we're wearing our old shoes, but the call may interrupt our lives in some way. It might be a small way, but it might alter your whole life. Be ready for an adventure with the Holy Lord, and like Moses, your reaction, our reaction, should be awe and worship. This is the creator God of the universe, worthy of all praise and honor. And the Lord will send other believers with us. We will not be alone. And the good news is how successful we are in fulfilling the Lord's call in our life does not depend on our ability, but on the Lord, who is with us to the very end of the age. Pray with me. Lord, for those who have not yet answered your call to salvation, I pray that you would call them today. Assure them that they will not be alone and you will be with them always. For those struggling with doubt or difficulty hearing you, I pray that you would know, they would know with surety that you are near always, even when they don't perceive you. Send a word of reassurance today. I pray for those with a sense of a new beginning that you would make clear the call and surround them with others to journey with them today. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.